We believe in functional mental wellness, a holistic approach to mental health. We know that there's hope for those of us who have experienced trauma, even profound trauma, and that's why we created the Universe Is Your Therapist podcast. We believe whether you call it God, the universe, source, unity, or love, that there is something much greater than us that conspires for our good. We envision a world of healing and connection, and we teach you simple but powerful practices that integrate your mind, body, and spirit so that you can come home to your highest self and your truest identity. You are not broken, you are loved, and you can heal. My name is Amy Hoyt, and together with my sister, Lena, we will take you on a journey of healing and self-discovery. Hi, welcome back. We're so excited to be here again today. And today is a topic that is very close to both of our hearts, as most topics are. (laughs) And we're calling this the cycle of productivity. And what this is, is a cycle that we've identified in our own lives, as well as other high impact and high achieving people of extreme productivity whether at work or at home or in your volunteer position, followed by a period of under-functioning. And this can look different. It can look like under-functioning for a day. It can look like under-functioning for a week. And we're going to get into that. But before we do, let's talk about this cycle and why we're calling it the cycle of productivity. So what comes to mind, Lena, when I say the cycle of productivity? What comes to mind for me is something that my own therapist helped me identify several years ago and that I would have a very, very, very busy life and I would go full tilt for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then I would end up feeling super low energy, really lethargic, not able to do as much as I had done in the previous weeks. And she helped me identify that it was a cycle for myself. And that was really helpful so that I could start paying attention and mitigating some of the extremes in that cycle for myself. How about for you? Well, for me, um, it manifests almost cycles of years where I'll have years of extreme productivity and going nonstop. And then, um, the under-functioning doesn't last a year, but sometimes the over-functioning where I'm scheduled so tightly and, um, I typically will have, you know, one to five different jobs (laughs) (laughs) at the same time, at the same time Uh with the five kids, with the volunteer position at church. And there's this part of me that really does um, derive a sense of self from my ability to perform at such a high level. And so there's a lot of internal motivation to continue to pile things on my plate because I, most of the time, can do a lot. However, there is a cost And the cost comes much later, typically for me. So it could be a year later, it could be a month later. um, But it's, it's usually followed by 
a period of extreme exhaustion. Um, just so bone tired where I need a lot of sleep. And not only that, I need a lot of alone time without any stimuli, which is really difficult to find when you have five children who yes, live in yes. your home. <laughs> so um, I think the, the awareness for me came out of doing the work on trauma, where I started really seeing my patterns and seeing um, this overproductivity as a way of numbing out my feelings. And that was revelatory to me because prior to that, I thought, I just, I'm just this way. I can just do, I can run, run, run 24 seven and it's no big deal. And I was kind of downplaying the underfunctioning part in my mind and minimizing it when I would, when it would happen, like, well, yeah, everyone gets tired. You know, I just need a rest, which is true. But because I had such an internal um, sense of self derived from being able to do it all, it was really difficult for me to become aware and benevolently curious about the behavior because it didn't seem problematic. Right. Because um, you were getting so much done. Getting so much done and, and socially... And culturally, especially in a capitalist Western country, we reward that. Absolutely. Not just monetarily, but through compliments, through, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. How do you get so much done? So there's actual productivity. And then there's just all the accolades that come with being so productive, which let's be real. It feels good for people to say, wow. That's amazing that you did this and that and this, you know, and accomplished all of this. Um, but it is, it is problematic. And that's what I think we need to talk about in this cycle of productivity is what is the downside of the cycle? So what's the downside for you? For me, um, I... Well, I, I can remember for years, I have just said to you, oh my gosh, I cannot believe how much you can do then. Oh my gosh, how do you handle all that? And it was seriously said with admiration. And it wasn't until we started delving more into this project with our company, Mending Trauma, that I started realizing that the over-functioning is or can be a symptom of trauma. So for me, I really crash. And I end up um, having to reduce my schedule and um, reduce any social obligations that I have because I am tapped out. But my cycles are more frequent than yours are. So you, your downside is that you, you have a crash. What other downsides do you see in your life? What? The imbalance, I, I think the imbalance is really problematic. Um, one thing that I talk with my clients about is that if you think about your life as a circle or a pie divided into eight pieces, then we don't want five of the eight pieces to be in one arena of accomplishment. We don't want there to be a big imbalance in how we engage in our life. It's not healthy for us. It's not balanced. 
Yeah. I think it's, it's so difficult, um, to know what the proper balance is. For instance, um, I'm aware that in, um, the religious setting that I am in and that I'm raising my children in family is considered of the utmost importance and it truly is. And I agree a hundred percent with that, that family is such a great foundation at the same time. Um, I also know women who have their entire identity in family life and they overfunction in family life and then underfunction. Um, I'm thinking of our own mom who she wanted to be the perfect stay at home mom because her mom wasn't, her mom was, you know, getting her PhD and teaching at the university. And so she wanted to be the perfect stay at home mom. And so she did all of this, um, really great stuff to make home life wonderful, but then there would also still be some underfunctioning. And so I think what, I guess what I'm speaking to is it doesn't always have to be in our professional work. That is correct. But when we have a commitment to something like family, how do we know when that's out of balance, when that's supposed to be the most important thing in our lives? Does that make sense? Yes. What I think about is I think about, again, the pie chart and how much of my time is spent on the things that I truly believe are important and how, how much of my time is spent on things that I think are important, but are not necessarily high value things for my own sense of self and my sense of values in my world. And when our time spent is very imbalanced. So if I consider family to be very important, but I consistently miss um, uh, the ideas, the games, I miss my kids games, or I miss recitals because of meetings, or if we are spending time together as a family or on vacation, and I cannot tear myself away from my phone then that's a really quick, easy way to see how our time expenditure is matching or not matching with what we claim are our most important values. I think that's a really great point. And so what we want to do, um, maybe one of the first steps in kind of evaluating our own cycle of productivity is we want to understand our core values. And once we understand them, we want to then see if our time spent matches our core values. Right. Um, this was something I learned about a few years, maybe 10 years ago. I heard this as well, what you're referring to. And it really struck me because if you ask me what my core values are, I'll say, um, number one is God, you know, higher power. Number two is family. Number three is career. But when I look at my time spent, it's actually completely inverted. Okay. And I mean, I don't spend eight hours a day meditating and praying. 
<laughs> and I don't spend eight hours a day with my children. They're at school or um, in sports or doing, you know, activities with friends. So I feel like we need a different measurement of time spent equaling values, maybe time spent and something else. Because okay. in a society where you have to support your family and you have to work for a living, how can you make your time match your higher level commitments, if that makes sense? That's a great point. I didn't think about that. What what would be the and, do you think? I don't know. That's what I'm wondering. Um, there's a lot of discussion about the quality of time you're spending with your mm -hmm. loved ones or with your what's your priority. So if I'm going to work, but I'm checked out the whole time, um, I'm shopping online or I'm, you know, just going around to the off different people in the office and socializing more, that's equally as problematic as being with my family on vacation and being stuck on my phone because I've got meetings or I've got um, documents that I'm editing that need to go out. So I think if we look at quality of time spent as well, um, that that could help us round out this discussion about productivity and where we want to, or how we want to measure, um, our core values, if you will. That's so funny because I was thinking right before you mentioned quality, I was thinking about how in the nineties in particular, it became very catchphrasy, like quantity versus quality. And the thing that struck me early in my career when I was doing supervised court ordered supervised visits for parents who um, couldn't see their child without a professional being present is that in those one hour or two hour supervised visits, the only job of the parent was to be present with the child. Um, our rules for our organization were that they couldn't talk about the past. They couldn't plan visits or that kinds of thing for the future. And that there, we are so rarely ever present in what we're actually doing in the moment. And your point about work and how we um, engage in non-work activities at work is a really good one. So the idea of being able to track how we're spending our time within certain different areas of our lives I think that could be very helpful as well. Okay, great. So um, I'm, I'm aware that our discussions kind of broadened a little bit from just this cycle of overproducing and underfunctioning to we have to know what our core values are in order to accurately assess if the overfunctioning is problematic. Because well, we don't I, know if we're out of balance, will we? Well, I think, I think overfunctioning is often problematic if it's done for extended period of time. And those who are high achieving tend to do that over function for an extended period of time. And even if there aren't obvious um, costs to that, I think almost always I have seen over the course of my career that um, in 
in the situation with um, intimate partners, romance, uh, families, it becomes very apparent in my office when somebody says you're always on your phone, even when we're at home together spending time, or when um, a child says to a parent, you promise you'd come to my uh, recital and you didn't, that the over-functioning is almost always going to include some measure of cost. That's a really good point. I was just, as you were speaking, I was also thinking about, um, it's not just the time spent and the quality of time spent, but it's also maybe the emotions we're trying to avoid. Oh, good point. So what when, are you thinking? Well, I know for me, um, if I'm being completely transparent, when I, um, when things get really difficult for me in the parenting arena, whether I'm overstimulated or whether, um, I'm feeling, um, maybe a little sorry for myself at times with the challenges that are presented in our family. Um, work is something that gives me so much immediate gratification and so much um, measurable achievement that there is definitely a temptation to, when the kids go to bed, to go back to work because it feels good. It yes. feels really good to check something else off the box, to accomplish something else, to, to feel like there's, there's a measurable difference that I'm making when parenting or relationships aren't necessarily marked in that linear of a fashion. And it's very concrete. When we accomplish tasks, those are concrete. And we um, oftentimes keep a subconscious tally of our accomplishments in the back of our minds um, as proof to ourselves or others that um, we're worthy or we're lovable or we are um, dedicated, that kind of thing. Absolutely. And those, those concrete tasks um, can, get, can get in the way of relationships. So if I'm task-oriented, then I'm less focused on the interchange in my relationships and I'm more focused on getting things done, whether it's within the relationship or not. Absolutely. And that, I believe, um, for me is because it is so much less painful emotionally mm -hmm. to accomplish a task. It's actually really <laughs> great. <laughs> Whereas um, the emotions that come from relationships are messy. Yes. And, and they're not controllable. And so I think at the heart of the cycle of over-functioning and under-functioning is um, perhaps a subconscious desire to have something in control, something within our control, whether it's our feelings or our duties or, but I think going back to my point a few minutes ago, I think when we look at this cycle for ourselves and we know that we want to become aware of our own behavior, that's the only way we're going to be able to adjust it. 
-hmm. and we want to use our behavior as a clue, we want to know why am I going at such a rapid speed right now? Is there an emotion I'm trying to avoid? Is there a part of my life that's not feeling good that I'm trying to avoid? Or is there a true emergency? And I'm aware that when we have that intense drive, especially with work, it's usually not a real emergency, but our fight flight is engaged. Right. And so our adrenaline gets going and we can kind of become addicted to that feeling of stress. We absolutely can. Absolutely. You know, Stephen Covey, who is really big in the 1990s, he wrote a book called First Things First. And the whole premise is that we get turned around when we identify what our priorities are, but we don't actually live as if those things are our priorities. And there's a lot of really great ideas and suggestions in that book. But whenever I think of being imbalanced, I always think of that book and how we can benefit by assessing what we're placing priority on. And if that priority is in line with what's important to us. One of the concepts I love that he talks about is the difference between importance and urgency. And that just because something is urgent does not necessarily mean it's important. Oh, I love that, especially in light of our work with the nervous system and our the fight, flight, freeze response that we have when we are dysregulated in our nervous system. So we know that um, we will start to not have as much executive function right. when we sense there's an emergency, even if it's an emergency at work. And we know that that's when our limbic brain will be engaged, which is our fight, flight, danger, warning brain, right? Mm -hmm. And then we go on to auto, a type of autopilot, autonomic responses, where some of those responses aren't even conscious. Correct. The more aware we become, I think um, we can start to notice those signs in ourselves. Like I notice a pit in my stomach when I get an urgent email and I'll start reacting and, and getting the, the task done that needs to get done. And then at some point I realize, wait, my stomach is tight. Is this a real emergency? Okay. It's probably not an emergency. What's, what's the worst that's going to happen if I don't answer until tomorrow. And so I love that about important versus urgent. So urgency is to really engage our nervous system in a way that may not be accurate. Yes, that that's absolutely what happens. And um, we can see that in our um, important relationships, whether they are important relationships at work or socially or at home, that when there's discord of some type, there is a sense of urgency associated with that. And the urgency is actually problematic because it's coming from our fight or flight brain. And it doesn't allow us to use our prefrontal cortex to address the problem um, more productively. That's a great point. So for someone who overproduces and overfunctions, 
and is recognizing, hmm, that that day I spent in bed didn't really serve me because I wasn't able to be present with my partner or with my children or with my um, friends who I had made plans with. I'm thinking of a couple things that I do in order to assess whether I'm overscheduling myself. Because what happens is, is it's almost as if I don't realize I'm being overscheduled and I'm doing it to myself. It's not like it's an accident, right? <laughs> but I don't realize what's happening until I look at my schedule and I go, oh my gosh, whoa. And there, there doesn't seem to be a lot of space between I'm doing fine and oh my gosh, this is too much, the overwhelm. So one thing I've been doing the last few years is um, saying, let me think about that. Great idea. When someone asks me to do something new, let me think about that. Um, this just happened last week. Someone asked me to do something and I really want to say yes, and I probably will say yes, but I said, you know, let me think about that because I want to be able to make a true commitment and I need to kind of assess where I'm at. And she was like, yeah, great, no problem. And it felt um, a little uncomfortable, to be honest, because I, I my sense was, yes, that sounds so fun and mm -hmm. I want to do it. Um, but I know that through experience that when I overcommit, it can have consequences. Right. And the consequences, um, the consequences, we don't get to pick the consequences. We can only pick the, the choice, our choices. We don't get to pick the consequences. And um, when we get into a pattern of over-functioning in this productivity cycle, there are consequences that may not be apparent at first, but will slowly leak into our lives and um, can cause more problems down the road in terms of how we're relating to others and how we're relating to ourselves. Yeah, that's a really good point. Thank you for that. So our tip is to, of course, be benevolently curious and aware. Always. And give yourself, we're challenging you the next time someone asks you to do something or the next time you feel an urge to volunteer for an assignment or anything extra give yourself some space a day to just check out how that's going to affect your schedule and try, um, to, to find more balance. Yes. Um, and, and pay attention to important versus urgent. Mm -hmm. And our world is full of urgency, just the notifications on our phone or our emails. Absolutely. And they're gamified for that purpose. I mean, if you watch the documentaries about social media, I mean, it was very intentional, um, realizing that it would create a sense of urgency in the brain and people would then go back onto their phone. And so it's really important that we do things like, um, when we're with our family, you know, we can put the focus on our phone, the focus setting, so we're not getting notifications when we're um, sleeping or we are wanting to wind down, put the sleeping notification on our phone. So there's, there's things we can do that are very practical. And then there's things that we can do that are philosophical, mm -hmm. um, such as understanding our true priorities and our core values. And then um, 
just give ourselves some space. And of course, always, always, always be kind to ourselves. Absolutely. That's the best way for change to occur is by being kind to ourselves. Great. Well, thank you so much, Lane. And we will see you next week. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to go deeper on this subject or any other subjects we've covered in the podcast, we are so excited to be launching our signature membership program at MendingTrauma.com. This is a trauma-informed mental health membership where we combine clinically effective practices, courses, and mentoring while putting you in the driver's seat. We teach you how to heal your trauma with the latest research combining mind, body, and spirit. We want to walk you through a healing journey while also empowering you. If you have felt this episode is helpful, we would absolutely love if you would go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your pods and give us a review. We'd also love it if you would share it with someone you think it might help. Tag us on social media at MendingTrauma.com or at Amy Hoyt PhD. We would love to reshare. And also, if there's anything we can do to help, we would love to hear from you. Email info at MendingTrauma.com. Give us your suggestions or topics you want to hear about. We would absolutely love to be of more service to you. We're so excited because we have so many good episodes coming up in season two, and we can't wait to go on this journey with you.